going to take a little bit of a detour this morning. I'm sure that you feel at times the same thing that I feel at times. There's plenty of shoulds available before us. If I asked all of you this morning, do you think you could fill up a blank sheet for your to-do list? I'm assuming that the majority of you would probably fill it up pretty quick. The shoulds are endless. The needs are endless. The desires of our heart are many, and in some cases, a plethora. With all of the shoulds and all of the needs and all of the wants, what should we do? When in the midst of all of that, the angst comes over. The guilt comes over. The anger comes over. When you look at your list is longer because someone else doesn't have a list at all. What should we do? The need for doers is many. Volunteering across the board, our church included, is horrible. Just flat out horrible. And some of you this morning when I say that, you start to feel more guilty. And you shouldn't feel more guilty at all. Across the community and across the country, volunteering. It's horrible. Just horrible. We throw out some good examples here and there. But then when you compare the examples to the amount of free time spent on things such as Facebook and media and football, it becomes pretty clear pretty quick. It's horrible. So with all of the shoulds and all of the needs and all of the wants, what do we do? That's been on my mind this week. And I have to always be careful not to translate what's on my mind and on my heart and assume it's on everybody else's mind and heart. But I do know this is on everybody's mind, at least the majority. Anxiety and trouble. Sometimes different things are causing the trouble and different things are causing the anxiety. But for the most part, across the board, there's a decent amount of anxiety and a decent amount of trouble. So I said, God, where do we go? I could lay down the guilt trip again and say clearly, as it says in God's word, of what God wants, the shoulds. But I was led in a little different direction. This morning I want to read for you a couple of verses. You don't need to get out your Bibles this morning. You don't need to take notes today. Luke chapter 10, beginning with the 38th verse. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let us pray. Almighty God, Grant us ears to hear what you want us to hear and block the fluff 
grant us strength to fulfill what you want us to fulfill. Block the stuff that brings you dishonor. Grant us this morning, O Lord, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Chuck Swindoll shares an old Greek motto. Pastor Swindoll says, You will break the bow if you keep it always bent. You will break the bow if you keep it always bent. This morning, some of you are always bent. Some of you this morning should be more bent than you are. So what do we do to loosen up the strings a little bit? How is it that we take away some of the angst or some of the trouble? Do we get more creative in our communications? Do we get more creative in our volunteer opportunities? Now most people are going to simpler. Just show up for 20 minutes. It's all you got to do. One time and you're done. What do we do to loosen the strings? Not only in volunteering, but how about in our own minds, and our own hearts, where it senses and it feels as though there's this constant tension, this constant rub of anxiety and trouble, this constant feeling of urgency. Does anyone else have that? That constant sense of urgency? Even sometimes when there's nothing to be urgent about? We live in a society of constant urgency. That's why everything on your phone has a little ding. Because every app that you download wants to create what? A sense of urgency. We live with a sense of urgency. Well, what would happen this morning if we chose the good portion? What would happen this morning if we heard the word of Jesus and Jesus said about us as well, they have chosen the good portion? What would happen? Or or what does it even mean to choose the good portion? This morning we hear the story about Jesus. He's been on, on the road. He's been ministering all over the places. Word about him has been spreading well by now because even by now Jesus has sent out multitudes of his own followers to go and do ministry. Jesus is very well known by this point. He's had multiple miracles. It's known that he's a miracle man. It's known that he's one who teaches with authority. And Jesus comes to this home the home of who we're told is Mary and Martha. Most of us know this story. Those who have been in church for their whole life know this story because out of this story, people start Martha circles, the doers. And then they start Mary circles, the studiers. And I would contend it reveals that we've gotten the story all wrong. The story's not about Martha and the story's not about Mary. The story's not about we need more doers or lesser doers. The story's not about we need to slow down and stop doing and just read the Bible more. The story's about something completely different. The story's about the one who's in their midst. So Jesus comes to the home, and as Jesus comes to the home, what happens? That what happens in most of our homes when a guest comes over. Come on in. Have a seat. I got to finish up the meat. I got to fill the cups with ice. I got to get the coffee cups out. And hey, 
just kind of ignore the mess a little bit. No big deal. You know, we got some done. You never get as much done as you want. The guest sits and everything else is just kind of a flurry as the guest sits. Same thing's happening with Jesus. Jesus shows up and Martha is what? This is a big deal probably. But even if it's not a big deal, it's just another person. Martha's just doing probably what Martha normally does. does A bunch of stuff. Get everything ready. And in the midst of that, what happens to Martha's spirit? Martha's own spirit becomes bitter. Because what? She's looking at Mary. She's already taken her eyes off of the guest. And now she's put her sight on Mary. And now she looks at Mary and she's what? Bitter. Because she's doing more. And if Mary did more, she could do less. She started comparing. Some of us have the exact same issue. We look around and we get frustrated that others aren't doing more. And rightfully so, we get frustrated. But not rightfully so. That frustration then leads to bitterness and anger. There's a big difference between being disgruntled about something that's a need and allowing that disgruntlement to put you in a position of bitterness, anger, and malice. Martha's heading down that pathway. And Martha knows probably the teachings of Jesus. Martha knows that Jesus is a good teacher and knows the law really well. So what does Martha do? Turn to the one who's in authority to try and convince her sister to help her. So Martha turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, hey, can you get my sister to help me out here a little bit? Don't you see that I'm doing everything? And then that's when Jesus completely turns the tables. Jesus does the unexpected. Martha, Martha, you are troubled and worried about many things. But Mary has chosen, maybe your version says, what is best, or the good portion. (laughs) What? You mean to say that you don't want someone to get the water ready for you? You don't want someone to, to wash your feet? You don't want someone to get the table set properly? What about all this stuff that has to be done, Jesus? But Jesus says, no, Mary has chosen the good portion. And what is the good portion that she's chosen? The good portion, it tells us, is that she's seated at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. You see, notice that it doesn't say that the things that Martha are doing are bad, but it says she's distracted and worried as she does many things. It's not bad to fill the cup up with water. Someone's got to do it but is there distraction and worry and troublesome in our hearts? So where does that leave us? Someone's got to do, someone is sitting. What what should we do with all of this? What's the good portion that Mary has chosen? The good portion is simply this, Jesus. And sometimes it comes back to the simple Sunday school answer. The answer that everybody's quickly got on their lips When it comes to asking a question, the answer that everybody quickly gives, but in reality, is it the answer we quickly live? The good portion that Mary has chosen is Jesus. 
You see, Martha has lost her vision. She's lost sight of who's in her house. Does she realize the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, does she realize the one who spoke creation into being is in her house? If she realized the magnificence, where would she be? She'd be in the presence of the magnificence. She's lost sight of actually who's sitting there. Mary knows, I want to soak in this teaching. And notice what it says at the end. I just want to point out something that Jesus says to her. He says about Mary, he says, which will not be taken away from her. What, do you, what will not be taken away from her? What does that mean? It's because the teaching which Jesus is giving as she is sitting is eternal. It cannot be taken because it lasts for eternity. This is the vision we need. Do we have that which lasts for eternity or that which is urgent and only momentarily? The good portion is Jesus himself. Jesus is the main thing. We heard it in a different way in Luke chapter 10, or Luke chapter 12. He'll go on to teach kind of what we've heard similar before about Jesus. He says something like, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added unto you. He says the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and these other things will be given unto you. So in both instances, Jesus is saying the same thing of what he's saying about Mary here. Mary has chosen the good portion here, which is Jesus. In those instances, he's saying, seek first what? The kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? Wherever Jesus is present. Jesus teaches us that the kingdom is at hand when he's present because the kingdom is at hand where Jesus is reigning. So if we are to seek first the kingdom of God, what does that mean? It means that we are to choose Jesus as our portion. To have Jesus reigning in our thoughts and in our hearts. How does all of this help us when the bow is always bent? We all know this for the most part. We all know that we should slow down and put ourselves under the person of Jesus more frequently. We all know that, and most would even acknowledge that. So how does it help us with the bending of the bow? We know it, but we know it incorrectly. We know it, but we know it incorrectly. Let me explain that. Most of us know that Jesus is the good portion, but we know Jesus as one of many good portions. So if I asked you this morning to write down your priority list for your life, your top five priorities, most would say the common secular thing to say, faith, family, work, fun, or faith, family, fun, or family, work, fun, or whatever order it might be in. You see anything wrong with that priority list? What's wrong with that priority list is You're putting Jesus on a priority list. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who owns everything. You're making him 
just like anyone or anything else, and putting them on a list. You see, we've gotten it wrong when we say Jesus is the good portion along with others that are a good portion. When in reality, Jesus should determine what else is the good portion. You see, Jesus isn't on the priority list because Jesus is directing the whole priority list. Jesus is directing how and what and when I do with my family. Jesus is directing how and what I do at work. Jesus is directing how and when I have fun. It's not that I need to bring Jesus in those things. It's that Jesus is already standing king over all of that stuff. I'm going into those areas as a person who's formed by Jesus. To choose the good portion is to become obsessed with one thing, the kingdom of God or the glory of God or the person of Jesus. However you want to say it, it's all the same thing. Jesus is the manifestation of God's glory, which means that he's the manifestation of God's greatness, God's radiance, God's majesty. And whenever God's glory shows up, you read in the Old Testament, whenever God's glory shows up, things change. When God's glory shows up, people either respond by saying, praise be to God, or they fall and they say, woe is me. Because when God's glory shows up, something magnificent, magnificent shows up. Have you chosen the good portion, which means to say, God's glory above all else. And now I look at everything through the lens of what? The person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just one thing I look at, but rather it's through the lens of Jesus that I look at everything. Have you ever been with anyone that just looks at stuff vastly different? We've been doing some remodel in our homes. And believe it or not, good thing to report this morning there's been no disasters thing, thing. We've been doing some remodel, and my father-in-law has been coming up to help a little bit, and he's got a little different speed than me. You see, my speed is, and my rule is, good enough principle. We're good to go. Let's go. He's got a little different speed. He looks at things through a completely different lens. He looks at things through the lens of safety. We've been doing some electrical work. And so he brings with him this little light thing. And, and I am not exaggerating here. I'm not making fun of him. I'm not exaggerating either. Thing. He brings back this little light thing. It's got two little wires coming up from it. It's what most people go and buy at the store. It's one of those electrical things. He makes one thing. So he looks at things through the lens of safety and cheap. But that's another story thing. So he's coming and he's looking at things through the lens of safety. And I'm just like, hey, Let's just unplug these wires here, da-da-da-da, and things like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to check to make sure and see if there's any hot coming through all of them. I'm like, we got to go. Let's go. Thing. What do you do? Just start unpeeling. What does he do? Go in and gives it a nice little touch. Oh, there's power there. So my father comes over one time and he's helping me with move one of the switches. Thing. Father-in-law's not there, so what? Forget the lens of safety thing. We're removing one of these switches, and my dad asks me, now this circuit is off, right? Thing? 
Oh, yes, number seven is off. That's on number seven. He starts to wiggle a little bit, and all I see is the hand open, and the tool drop out of the hand. Oh, the lens of safety. Now it all makes sense. You see, he's looking at everything through the lens of safety. Every time we would get to something, he would ask, hey, do you think we should put another two-by-four here and maybe strengthen that up? Or check and see if there's power? It's not just, he doesn't look for safety in one spot. Everything he looks at through the lens of safety. You and I should look at all of our life through the lens of God's glory. So when I look at family, what am I looking at? Through the lens of how Jesus sees family. Jesus sees family as the place where we nurture the next generation. And so it determines my priorities of of what I make as a priority as a family. When I look at the lens of material goods, when I look at material goods through the lens of God's glory or Jesus, it completely changes how I look at material goods. Material goods become not a necessity, but an option, a temporary option for enjoyment in creation. Massively different than looking at material goods as, I gotta have it. See, the lens of the glory of God changes how I look at everything. When I look at work through the lens of God's glory, I say, this is my opportunity to to commit to the community. This is my opportunity to provide services to others. This morning, most of us haven't chosen Jesus as the good portion because Jesus has been one of many portions. When in reality, Jesus is saying about Mary, Mary has chosen the one portion, the person Jesus, or in other words, the glory of God. And let me give you a fair warning this morning that when you choose the one good portion, Jesus or the glory of God, things are going to change. Because when God shows up, things get rattled a little bit. Things get reprioritized a little bit. So be ready that if today you say, I don't want the bow to be bent anymore. If today you say, I want to loosen the strings In order to do that, you say, I want the glory of God above all else. Be ready. There's going to be some movement with those strings. Because when the glory of God shows up, it's like a hammer. It's bigger than a hammer. It's like a jackhammer with more power than any jackhammer we've ever operated You see, because when God's glory shows up, it begins to change everything in our lives. This little demo project that we are doing. Now, remember I said nothing disastrous has gone on. This is a minor glitch thing. I've had a couple of young lads helping me with demolition, and they just go at it. They just start pounding holes. Even when there's people in the room, they're knocking stuff down thing. Well, now, after they've gone crazy with the big hammers and everything, the back door, for whatever reason, the same door that I've told you about before, The back door 
Now, sometimes you'll show up at the end of the day, and the back door is just open. It's been open all day while everybody was gone. What happened? We started hitting stuff. Something happened to the door. And now the door won't close properly. You got to make sure it's locked and sealed. You see, but we weren't working on the door. But guess what? You start hitting the framing around the door and the walls around the door, something shifts. This morning you might say to yourself, I'm not talking about my work life right now and my faith life. Well, guess what? You shake your faith life a little bit, it's going to shake your work life a little bit. You might say, right now, I just don't want to talk about my relationships right now. Well, guess what? You shake your faith life, it's going to shake your relationships. Because wherever the glory of God shows up, the person of Jesus Christ, things begin to shift and change because he is Lord of all. This morning, the list of shoulds is so long. The list of needs is endless. So what do we do? It's not about being more like Martha. It's not about being more like Mary. But it's about experiencing the good portion. Jesus himself. This morning, I would ask that you would just run a little heart test for yourself. Run this as your heart test. Have you been able to say yes to something without anxiety and a little bit of, ugh, do I have to? That's, that's one question. Have you been able to say yes to something without anxiety and, ugh, do I have to? And then the second question is this, and make sure you get both. Have you been able to do whatever you said yes to without anxiety and, ugh, do I have to? If you've said yes to something this morning, don't let me discourage you thing. But there's something bigger. If you've said yes and all you've got is worry and troublesome, let me encourage you to go one layer above one layer way above and examine your heart and say, have I said yes to the glory of God first and foremost? Because when we say yes to the glory of God first and foremost, you know what happens? I can say yes with boldness and I can say no with contentment because I know the glory of God, the person of Jesus Christ, has directed my yes and my no. There should be no guilt with a no. And there should be nothing but a bold yes after a little bit of prodding if it's a step of faith when the glory of God has directed your yes and your no. And so this morning, if your bow is bending, there's only one way to loosen it. And that is to get a completely different bow. That completely different bow is life under the reign of Jesus Christ where he has all authority. So I'd like to encourage you today that life doesn't have to be a life of Martha. 
filled with trouble and anxiety. But life can be a life of Mary, a life of contentment and peace, a life that's full of doing, even in the midst of contentment and peace, because we've chosen the good portion. Let's go forth today, not as bows who are bent, ready to snap, but let us go forth today as new bows that are ready to be shot to the glory of God in our families, in our workplaces, in our churches. Let us pray. Almighty God, we acknowledge that oftentimes we do a lot with a heavy heart. We acknowledge that oftentimes there's a lot of hesitancy in us. We acknowledge a lot of times that there's an urgency for things that are not urgent. God, this morning I pray that in a sense you would loosen us, that you would unbind us. God, this morning I pray for anyone who has not been captured by your greatness. Today I pray that your glory would rise in their hearts. And God, today I pray that you would give each of us the ability to live under your sovereignty, the ability to live under your lordship. God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for putting up with our bitterness and our anger. And now, Lord, refresh us and renew us that that can be killed, that that can be put away. We offer ourselves to you, asking, O oh Lord, that you would help us to center ourselves on your glory. We offer ourselves to you and ask that your glory would rise among us, that your love would be made known through us, and that your joy would be experienced among us. God, thank you for who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.